0: Welcome, one and all, to the Moon Knight Podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete.
1: Believing anything that comes out of your mouth just shows what a plonker I am. The Moon Knight Podcast by Fantastic Geek for Episode 4, The Tomb, is brought to you by Tomb Buster. When danger is near, Stephen Grant has no fear.
0: Pete, round these parts, Uh, it's been a busy week Uh, on the Pop Culture Podcast feed. We uh, did our first preview of the upcoming Obi-Wan Kenobi show. Uh, Also behind the scenes, we've been uh, getting ready to launch our Ms. Marvel feed as as well. And indeed, hopefully uh, in this upcoming week, both the dedicated Kenobi feed and the dedicated Ms. Marvel feed will be up there on Apple Podcasts ready for the world
1: absolutely some strange new worlds stuff uh kind of brewing beneath the surface not yet ready to talk about that but we will uh a little bit more star trek tomorrow with uh picard season two episode eight
0: definitely exciting times here especially pete i look forward to talking about that thing that we're not quite ready to talk about yet but uh Definitely, it's been a good last couple of days. For now, let's dive into our episode cap.
1: Torchlight frames an upside-down shadow carrying the stone figurine Kanchu had been imprisoned inside. The shadow is revealed to be that of Selim, who places the figurine on a shelf along with nine others.
0: Uh, And indeed, we hear them kind of crying out, not totally up front in the sound mix to begin with, but as the camera pulls back, the crying out more omnipresent, uh, all getting the sense here of being trapped. We get the Marvel Studios logo with triumphant but dark music. Uh, then we head to Layla, rocking Stephen's body, trying to wake him. Truck lights seem to be trying to find her. Uh, the guns start to fire. She runs back to her truck, hides behind it, and gets in back of it. Uh, the baddies tensely search all around in what appears to be a one Pete, that's your unbroken one-shot. Uh, they find Stephen's body and think that he's dead. Meanwhile, Layla finds flares important in this scene as well as later on in the episode uh gets their attention then hides again their gun jams and Layla throws a second flare into the explosives kept there in the jeep uh boom 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 with that Stephen
1: awakes or is it Stephen behind her there um as day breaks they drive through the desert canyon attempting to head off Harrow at Amit's tomb Steven sits in the passenger seat with Mark, who she thinks they'll need in the side view mirror. Uh, But Steven explains he and Mark made a deal that when Mark was done with Conchu, he would disappear for good. And both Mark and Layla protest. Mark wants the body back uh, for what he says is a suicide mission. Layla says Mark would have uh gone all lone wolf on this whole thing and that's not happening steven says they're not doing that and it's on foot from there
0: the faintest hint perhaps in this scene of a little sizzle between steven and layla i know pete that that sizzle is going to heat up as the episode goes on uh but these two or three uh stop at a crevice in the rock birds uh ominously flying overhead kind of looked like uh the real life entrance to the lost city of Petra uh, as shown in uh Indiana Jones films and so forth uh Pete, what does a pendant man do? No 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 we're not actually going to Petra though uh they instead find Harrow's camp viewing it first from above then up close uh Pete it looks desert head. Get it? Because they're in the desert, Ted. Um, except for a, a lovely
1: camels that uh, Stephen says hello to.
0: <laughs> and Pete, let's not overlook those camels. They look adorable. Okay. Uh, Hadn't he wondering where is everybody? Uh, Layla suggests that they check for supplies. And in the tent, uh, Mark wonders if Stephen is scared. Maybe he should be, but there's a job to do. And Mark notes that Stephen needs to be smart, if only for Layla's sake.
1: Grabs a pair of flashlights. There, uh, Mark reminding him that without Conchu, there's no suit, there's no healing, there's no power. Okay, He's stripped of the Moon Knight, Mister Knight stuff. Um, I kind Steven... of appreciated
0: that recap. Like I, I, I knew that, but it was a good insertion. It was a good reminder. You know, it's been a week since the last episode. There's been other TV adventures I have enjoyed and so forth. Just that nice expositional reminder there's no moon night to save the day. It was like,
1: all right. Yeah. But Steven reminding him that uh, it should be no more uh, Mark. Um, he wishes he would just disappear, but Steven's going to go through with this. Um, and we flip over there after the mention of muscle memory <laughs> um, to Layla who finds uh, some more flares in the other tent. Um, But she missed all the blood and a sharp tool or instrument that uh, ominously figures in a future scene.
0: Steven says that he's been waiting for an adventure like this his whole life, all while Layla kind of zips him up in uh, rock climbing gear. Uh, Pete, that gets her... Uh, close to him uh she says that uh, he smells like mark maybe not even maybe she definitely starts to going for the kiss but steven says the Conchu wants uh layla to be the next avatar hence mark pushing her away and and a general concern on that topic uh layla says she doesn't need honesty uh or pardon me she doesn't need protecting she does need honesty with that they're ready to be on belay belay on uh but not before there's a whopper of a kiss and what's a belay? Uh, Pete, that's a rock climbing term as uh, Stephen's <laughs> about to find
1: out the, the fast way. Being honesty as he is here. Uh, he's the one that kisses her and she heads down first. And then Mark <laughs> balling up the fist and punching Stephen to make his way down.
0: Um, We see Layla... Uh, At the tomb, writing something in sand uh, as Stephen falls. Uh, He's okay. He's aces, as they say. Um, Stephen finds the rock cat figure is also lovely. Uh, But what has she written? Uh, Appears to perhaps be a 31 upside down, at least to my English reading eyes, that was the case. She says it was written for her father, the archaeologist that had a dream worth dying for. Did it look like it?
1: filled with frost like what happened to it that it got kind of white
0: i had wondered that too and i didn't know if it was a story thing or if it was like a production thing i.e oh man we can't read that let's punch it up somehow whether it's you know in the edit or special effect or something like that so um maybe we'll stay tuned on that but I, i i would hesitate hanging a lot of theories to it at this point.
1: Um, Mention here of her father uh, that he would have loved to have been there, this archaeologist on a mission that he was. And then for the first time in the tomb here, we hear this ominous clicking noise. The use of sound design in this episode Matt I I can't imagine this won't be their Emmy reel. Uh,
0: there's a lot of high points in this episode and and new ground uh for the MCU and so forth which we'll get to in a little bit. Um they ultimately as they're making their way through the paths here they turn into a maze. They see bullet casings. Uh Steven draws in the sand uh showing that this whole structure is the eye of Horus. Pete, which features twice on our podcast logo, how it's like about you knew. <laughs> that? Uh, Pete, listen, I don't want to say the concho was here helping guide me create that logo, but I'm not saying it wasn't the case either.
1: It is the royal symbol uh, for protection in the afterlife, Matt. So maybe it was just looking out for us through you. If we're uh, even here, Pete, did you think yeah. of that twist? Layla says and notes here that Horace's final avatar was a Pharaoh. Is this a map? Um, the eye of Horace um, is also uh, symbolic of the eye of the mind. Stephen explains here representing the sixth sense, <laughs> hence six points, six entryways into this maze. Um, The eyebrow, interestingly enough, we're told, denotes thoughts. um, Given the other senses there, the long line, the tongue, and Layla noting that the avatar would be um, Ahmet's voice with tracks with who we pull the uh, Ushabti uh, out of in a little bit.
0: They enter a chamber, finding images of a Hekka, the sorcerers of their time. Uh, but on that plinth, there is blood and fleshy chunks. They keep moving toward the blood that goes that way. There's bones, too. Um, they, uh, they ponder the opening up there, you know, kind of go that way, away from the scary stuff. Stephen climbs on up onto a wooden platform. Uh, oh, and according to the ancient uh, texts, Vomit is bound to little statue thingies. There are also canopic jars and snake skins. Thoughts of self-regeneration. But uh, Stephen's number one priority at this point is looking for the exit.
1: Uh, He says they can go that way when the gunfire startles them. Layla says that it's Harrow, but what are they shooting at? She doesn't know. And then we hear that clicking again. Stephen tells her to hide. A figure, uh, shadowy, visible in the entryway on all fours. Layla is crouched behind the plinth. There's a bloodied body lifted onto it. And the dark figure lifts pointy instruments. They're stabbing and gasping. And from Stephen's point of view... There's the glimmer of a gold piece around the uh, neck and bust of the figure. And there's viscera put into a pot along Mm -hmm. with squelching noises. Layla kind of scoots around so as to not be seen, but she knocks over one of the little clay pots. There's a soft thud that gets the figure's attention and the figure Looks as Stephen creaks so it hops up uh, and then up again, unnaturally, like a spider upside down, uh, placing its hands through the space between the wooden planks. When it has its hands on the ledge, Layla throws a pot. Stephen yells, Run! He'll find her. Layla runs off, and Stephen pushes the table over from the higher vantage point he thinks he squished it and he runs off
0: well on the run Layla almost falls down to a cavern Uh, she lights a flare Pete do you remember the flares from prior in the episode see Uh uh-huh uh indeed it shows it's a long way down a very long way she goes along a a towpath rock crumbling around her so much tension she crosses a crack uh, and then the mummy's hand is after her. She gasps and slips, almost falling. Then she's pulled back into the darkness. Ah! She escapes. and is pulled back again. Uh, Pete, it left me wondering, where's my mummy? I mean, mommy. I mean, Pete. It was kind of it was kind of a scary moment there. I know that much.
1: She gets away again and falls out. A forearm in her hands. She tosses it, kicks, and then is held down by this figure. Uh, with a right arm that has a protruding bone, uh, rips a mask off and hits it with it. Um, And there's the jagged bone again, trying to stab her, takes another flare, lights it up and places it in the eye. And they both roll off the body thuds, but it's Layla clinging to the ledge and climbing back up may calamali uh real acting moment here this cathartic scream and then she sits up and she sees harrow standing the light just visible on his face
0: is this mummy fight the scariest thing to happen in the mcu i think if not then certainly is very high on the list (laughs) story goes back to steven uh He's the first one into a tomb fit for a pharaoh. It's got to be one of the biggins. But through the water reflection, Mark chastises Stephen for kissing Layla. But look at those relics. Look, there's some Macedonian uh, over there. The only pharaoh who, well, wait. Yes, he was called Egyptian. This must be the long lost tomb of Alexander the Great.
1: Hey, what's Mark going to try to do to Stephen now, Matt? Drown him? drown them
0: Pete where there's Chekhov's water there might be a drowning
1: Harrow tells Layla she handled that beautifully we've reached our cross-cutting point Matt of of this Marvel joint Um, and she asks why all men like him feel it necessary to be so condescending just then there's more gunfire in the distance And Arthur speaks another language, which he translates, My little scarab, isn't that what her father used to call her? Abdullah al Fuli, one of Egypt's most unique archaeologists, he would have been so proud of her if he knew she was among the first to confirm for the world what he always believed, that Egyptian gods walk among them. Um, He says that uh, the scales achieve judgment by revealing to him moments of sin and pain, and her husband is in agony more than anyone can bear. He still hasn't told her the truth. Harrow, she says, is obviously dying to do so. Go ahead. The floor is his, or what's left of it. Uh, Harrow's sitting there um and uh he says that when he read his scales they do not lie
0: we have a quick cut to stephen who's ready to open the tomb of alexander but everything is telling him not to but he's got to get there ahead of harrow uh, and he pushes it open revealing a mummy but where's the ushtabi perhaps it's hidden in a place that looters wouldn't look Stephen intuits that Alexander was the voice of Amit. So he pulls the head bindings back, opening the mouth of Mr. The great as he <laughs> apologizes to him. Uh, he, he starts to really dig into the throat and just really reach in there, buddy squelching. <laughs> we head back to Arthur uh, saying that Layla's father was murdered by mercenaries. Layla asks if Mark was one uh mark remembers everything from that day but uh the man with the fuchsia scarf and scarab details does stand out perhaps handmade by a daughter Hara hopes that she will find closure uh, and he yells at her to wake up
1: does he yell at her though not sure about that others come around here and tell him that they've found another way Uh, Stephen has Amit's Ushabti at this point when Layla enters. Look, we won. You know, like we win or she wins in a little bit. Uh, and the Ushabti goes to them. He had to go digging down all Alexander the Great's gullet, but he found it. Is she all right? And she asks, can Mark hear her? Uh, not Alexander. He doesn't think so. Um, And she wants to know what happened to her father. Um, She's speaking to Mark here. She makes it clear. Um, And as uh, the eyes come up here, um, we have the switch over to Mark and he tells her they have to leave right away. Um, She wants to know still what happened to her father. He says that he will explain everything. He swears, but they have to leave. And she comes out and asks, did he kill Abdullah el-Fuli? He says, of course not. But was he there? He admits he was. Um, He said uh, that his partner got greedy and executed everyone at the dig site. That he tried to save her father, but he couldn't. Um, He brought a killer right to him, uh, Layla says. Um, And Mark says that he was shot too. He was supposed to die that night, but he did not. And he's tried to tell her ever since they met. And she laughs at this, that the reason they met was all because he suffered from a guilty conscience. We get that clicking again um and mark says that they're there they have to find another way out
0: uh and indeed as he says this mark grabs a golden axe uh good luck with that against all of harrow's goonly guns uh harrow remembers the quiet after conchu left him a liberating feeling of freedom but with freedom comes a choice mark nods and attacks some of the goons However, is squarely shot by Harrow right in the chest. Uh, however, Pete, we know the rule. Okay, one shot, even to the chest. Not a big deal for TV and film. Mark stumbles back and is shot a second time, falling into the water behind the tomb. Harrow notes that he can't save anyone who won't save himself. In the water, Mark lies, then sinks into the golden blackness. Then into Arms the light.
1: outstretched as if on a crucifix. Indeed closing his eyes here, that beautiful reverse angle shot from water to not water sinking into the blackness, the wailing here and the moonlight that turns into a flashlight.
0: It does. Where, all of a sudden with a man searching the jungle with another man, uh, a trigger is pushed, a skeleton falls. Uh, mm-hmm. There's something, inauthentic with how it all looks and it was around this point that i said hey we're in a 4-3 ratio what happened to my <laughs> glorious you know widescreen 4k dolby vision and so forth um there's reference made do you notice anything unusual about the statue of the lunar god of the aztecs come on dr stephen grant uh, and pete with that okay it was forecast by these directors the big twist with that's we pull out to a mental institution where folks are playing bingo.
1: Through the TV to this white room, there's so much intentionally placed here. You know, initially you've got the TV, there's the remote, there's a rubber ducky wearing some gold pieces on the credenza where the TV is. There's also three videotapes stacked upon one another can't make out what's written on the the handwritten sides though if anybody's able to close in on that and let us know that'd be great um so there's a person who walks behind where the tv is placed that's also holding a rubber ducky um they
0: do make bath time so much fun they they do
1: but you know, not with precious metals on them. And uh, yeah, it's that's a pretty interesting way to present that. Um, Crawley is there. He is the bingo caller. And we've got the reverse mat of what we've seen before, other than the fact that he is not spray painted himself gold and not moving. He's got the hat in one hand. Um, and then the hand that's outstretched is opposite from what he's been seen with before we see a rubik's cube in the hand of a patient there is ticking from a clock uh heard we have uh bobby serving uh what appears to be jello out of clear receptacles she goes over to um donna Asks her how she is today. Donna is clutching a blue scarab stuffed animal. Uh, Donna says she'd be a little bit happier. If Crawley pulled some bloody O's. On that ticking clock mat. um, Some of which the. uh, The hands have little half moons. um, It's 415. So the first number called was was b22 the second number is called at this point it's g15 415 g15 okay does anyone have that we see beck pushing the cupcake cart okay then the strangest letter number is called and it's called one way and then another way it's the only one to happen this way It is 16 T or T 16. Interesting. So we've got the mirror, the reverse. Okay. Also a letter that is not on any bingo card ever, uh, that we'll dig into in a little bit. There is a woman. This looks a lot like Legaro, uh, coloring who is given a cupcake buyback. Uh, he says that her drawing is beautiful it is a bird version of conchu quite cute uh crawley then at this point says uh the next number which is 0 73 come and have tea with 0 73 coming off the t interesting okay there's a woman who's helped out the door before the camera settles on the blue reflective glass there. There's the fish in the bowl. And now we have Billy telling uh, the young man that the brakes are on. He's in his favorite spot. Um, N39 is called. And it says nurse uh, crediting uh, Layla but seems a lot more like she's a patient. Hence the, Hey, you won. We won. I'll share it with you this time. She is also eating
0: marshmallows. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark at this point is looking into the uh, reflection uh, calling for Steven. Uh, B that's how I knew it was Mark because it's not Stephen. Uh, he stands, but he's tethered to the wheelchair evocative of how, he had been sleeping back in his mum's flat. Uh, he falls uh, holding a Moon Knight doll, which I think they think we didn't see because in a little bit we get a close-up of it. But I think we all saw it on the first, the first go-around here. He's helped back into his chair. He's told he can't keep doing this. We hear Arthur's voice saying that uh, he's having a great deal uh, of difficulty differentiating between reality and what's in his head um harrow has brought the film uh that uh that is so enjoyed tomb buster how many times have you seen this movie mark uh harrow uh first shown way out of focus we ultimately see him with his hair pulled back quite a mustache as well he notes harrow does that the movie really makes a meal out of this lunar god stuff what about the villain matt
1: Uh, pete what about the villain indeed the villain says uh, no tree can ascend to the light of heaven if it doesn't descend to the depths of hell.
0: Uh, Pete, that, that they, they might make a whole meal out of that for, for a whole show. I don't know what's um, on the
1: wall here.
0: Uh, a variety of Egyptian, uh, accoutrements. Certainly what's not Egyptian. Uh, I don't know
1: the, the painting of the, alps ah yes yes yes
0: um harrow says given the production value of the movie not a lot of people can have seen it so is this a coincidence uh your lunar god thing uh and mark clearly drugged you know says someone he thinks someone Uh, and harrow says that mark is drugged for his own safety we live in a psychic world we can only make inferences about our reality like this pen it's a writing tool for a man and a chew toy for his dog. Both are true, uh, but the surroundings show uh, us things like Harrow's walking stick. Increasingly, these tomb-like uh, or Egyptology-like details. Uh, and Pete, this reminds Mark of 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 what asks Harrow. Pete, I ask you: of what does it remind Mark?
1: Well, this reminds me that it is a redress of an earlier set. <laughs> this is the uh office of harrow that was a brick set earlier with a square window that they've redressed here and painted white pete could we call it new catraz new new (laughs) office new office (laughs) and they didn't either
0: (laughs) um harrow uh wants to talk to mark right now let's not roll over to steven mark don't get triggered even as Mark uh sees Egyptian details, Pete sees that picture of the Bavarian uh countryside and so forth. Mark How tells... about the
1: reflection with the brown pants and the sandal uh visible underneath the desk and then the handkerchief after um Harrow takes a drink?
0: Yeah, I mean the 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 details in this scene are they are they're phenomenal and uh, near endless.
1: On his hand, looks like a fly. I don't know if they were trying to give us the idea that it could be a scarab because it's so tiny. Um, but all these things reminding him of his past. Do you know Stephen? Of course he knows Stephen. Uh, but the doctor wants to talk to Mark right now and has noticed in their sessions, a pattern developing. Um, there's an Egyptian statue that has one leg on the desk. Um, and the pattern is that every time he asks these direct questions, it, it triggers him, it overwhelms him. Um, he says that it's normal for many of us, when asked to look into our innermost experiences, the nucleus of our personality, um, that uh, they struggle. They can't, uh, he can't help him if he can't help himself as uh, Mark sees the crystal pyramid here and then tells Harrow that he shot him. But uh, as he's starting to lose his composure, uh, the doctor tells Mark that if we can't sit here calmly as he falls out of his chair and rolls and take inventory um, that uh, he needs to take inventory of his feelings. It's at this point that we see three Ushabtis, one of which is a very obvious bird at the end. Um, Mark is now crawling away, telling the doctor to stay away from him. He gets to his feet and falls again. Doctor uh, sympathizes with him, saying that he understands how he's feeling. He, too, has suffered from mental illness and breaks in psychic awareness. There is an Amit head with a circle on it, visible on a shelf. doctor says that he's suffered manic episodes followed by depression. So walking after him with his cane here, um, and he reaches the door, Uh, The doctor says he knows what he's feeling and it can be cured um, when Mark is calling for the door to be unlocked and finally breaks through the glass where Bobby and Billy are on the other side to stop him and are told to be gentle with him, not to hurt him. Um, Mark punches uh, the man and bites the girl. Before running into the hallway.
0: Uh, indeed, down a tiled hall, the, the hallway spinning, or at least appearing to do so. Mark steps into a room, escaping his pursuers, uh, but he's in there with a sarcophagus, which has someone in it, screaming to be released. Mark pulls off the lid and it's Steven. They hug. How is this possible? What's the last thing Stephen remembers uh, implied? What's the last thing Mark remembers as well being shot? Yes. They both remember that Mark steps being out shot of the room. by uh, shot by Harrow. Did uh, you
1: notice what's visible in this room other than the sarcophagus? I did not. There is a blue lit up moon on a shelf on the other wall. There is a circular speaker, obviously moonlike oh uh they step out uh into the hall
0: and steven or mark does and Stephen follows uh wait who's in that red sarcophagus they walk past it surprising me pete i thought this was going to be yet another uh sarcophagian <laughs> reveal uh, they walk past it toward a double door they see a hippo god who sees them saying hi and both men scream to end the episode
1: sink our teeth into some sphinx stumping riddles pete
0: does the end of this episode reveal uh much like saint elsewhere that the entire mcu has been a lie and this takes away everything etc etc
1: i mean obviously the question we're meant to ask has everything we've seen to this point been real or imagined um the symbolism, the heavy, heavy symbolism of the things that happen there, and then what we can trust and what we can't. Um, you know, we talked about that other shaking sarcophagus. A lot of people saying it's it's Jake, Jake Lockley's in there. Um, it does have a prominent bird on it, though. I I think. We're shown up front at the beginning of this episode. You think of the first image that we see is the stone figurine being placed on the shelf with nine others. And um, that this mental hospital might be more akin to some form of prison, hence, both Mark and Stephen could be there and commune and that it the hippo God is there. Remember we've gotten that hippo idea very early on in this series. Yeah, I do think that, um,
0: a, it was interesting that the, uh, that the episode directors had been so at the forefront, uh, when when there was news of their first episode, um, for, for Moorhead and Benson to be saying to The Howard Reporter, just wait till episode four, the big twist. So that got my mind going just in terms of like, it's rare for a Marvel thing to kind of bounce out on its own. Um, now, of course, we then have been asking ourselves for the last two weeks, what could the big twist be? And the first place the mind goes is, uh, I don't know, what's real is not real. So I feel like from that perspective, the reveal of, but he's in a mental institution,
1: it wasn't that earth-shattering. We've, the fa- we've had each week in the credits this tiled environment briefly glimpsed. Yeah. So while, while it may seem earth-shattering, I think we were kind of being you know, subtly directed in this way. I think more so comes from what happens in this mental hospital. You know, Harrow's explanation to Mark that we don't live in a material world, we live in a psychic one. Well, and and that's just it. I think that um,
0: I wonder if, Morehead and benson um being so upfront with look out for a game changer if that itself was a little bit of subterfuge in that the episode that we just saw with the whole mental institution portion at the end i don't know that i don't know that on first view it is being sold as uh, is being sold as the true reality um so I, again i kind of feel like them claiming it's a game changer to to be true, I don't have a full, complete working um explanation for how the episode ended, nor I think how are we supposed to at the conclusion of the the middle third. You know, I don't think that we're supposed to say, ah, oh, I, I can completely understand everything that's been given my you know, given to me here. Um but again, I think it's it's not it's not being sold as quite game changery as they made it sound, which again has me wondering if maybe they were doing double agent duty there or something like that.
1: Well, you know, that other sarcophagus is it not Jake that's imprisoned in there but Konchu?
0: Certainly, you know, one of if my If we're favorite... going to
1: establish that Tawrit is in there.
0: Yeah, um you know, I always like to be thinking of external forces on these stories, and I don't think we get to May 4th, the final episode, and go, huh, so they spent, um, you know, in episode three, uh, Kanchu got pulled into the thing, and therefore there was no more Moon Knight costume. We never saw Moon Knight again on Moon Knight. It was just a guy who had a, you know, disassociative identity disorder, kind of dealing with some stuff. Maybe there's some psychic dreams or the land of where you know dreams become reality or you know, whatever's going on in the mental institution my point is this pete we're clearly getting moon knight back at some point in a show called moon knight i don't think or rather i do think that that then means some sort of let's break Kanchu out of the out of his prison and if we are in the mental institution if we are in Kanchu's prison of sorts to me, that's all leading towards a logical endpoint, even if I don't fully understand the nature of the mental institution.
1: You mentioned May 4th, Matt, also known as Star Wars Day. So the mention of the uh, bingo uh, letter and number T16 was just a crossover, right? Well, uh, Pete, the T-16 Skyhopper,
0: uh, and older models, I recall, they don't sell. Or rather, maybe the old models don't sell because of the new T-16. Um, Pete, that probably not the end-all, be all. Particularly, as you point out, B-I-N-G-O does not include the letter T.
1: It doesn't. So we get, um, yes, there's an O in there, but if you discard the O uh which is linked to a t um uh come and have t with o73 okay and rearrange what we get okay which we're given b22 we're given g15 we're given 16 t or t16 we're given o73 we're given n 39 and then layla tells mark that he's one if you throw out the o and you rearrange the letters b n i g t and the inclusion of a t being intentional matt you can spell out b night or uh get the uh warning here to expect a cameo from um black knight
0: why pete wasn't that character teased in the um movie i was gonna say critically acclaimed but that's not the case i was gonna say box office hit and that's not really the case either was that referenced in the movie marvels the eternals that came out what just a handful of months ago
1: it was and you had kit harrington there
0: do you think kit harrington would do a tv show pete
1: a, a character who uh is in London <laughs> at least in that narrative um who is playing Dane Whitman okay um that connects to Moon Knight that uh was having a conversation with the off-screen uh forthcoming uh Blade um I think the inclusion of this T here, Matt, has pretty much cemented a forthcoming cameo.
0: You know, there's so many moving pieces to the MCU. Uh, as we saw, for example, with uh, all these shows and movies and whatnot coming out of the COVID shutdown, you know, we can kind of look back and say, "All right, it's, it was fine for." um you know it's fine for falcon winter soldier to switch places with wandavision but uh you couldn't dare have wandavision come out after dr strange and and you couldn't have dr strange come out before spider-man and there's there's all this which is pete as jeff loeb used to say hashtag it's all connected um i I would be interested to see what is in my mind, and Pete. With all due respect to those who love Eternals, okay, we can. It's a big, wide, beautiful MCU. We can all find things that we like, and it's okay if we all don't like the same things, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, it w- it'll be interesting to see if, um, unbeknownst to us, at least unbeknownst until you're you're theorizing there, Pete, that Moon Knight begins, at least for me, the comeback story of some elements of Eternals.
1: So the concepts of gods walking among us that Layla's father um, thought was happening and, you know, all right, you add to that Egyptian gods walking among us when we know that we've had these Eternals and, and what are Eternals? Not really a spoiler and hopefully you've seen at this point, but you know, they've got this robotic, aspect to them and and their seeming immortality then we've had other gods obviously the norse with uh loki and and thor okay not to mention matt you throw all this together with alexander the great's inclusion in this episode alexander the great a marvel character in the 1950s (laughs) wow that is a deep cut indeed I mean, is it is it deep cut for, you know, a longstanding one of the one of the big two comic companies to have included a, a character from antiquity as well known as prominent as Alexander the Great? I, I don't know that it is, but you put all this together and under the eye of Horace, also the eye of the mind to to jam up the real and the psychic in this particular episode of, of TV, um, I I think just intricately and brilliantly woven together. And indeed circle back to that line that they're in,
0: uh, what is it? The psychic world, not, uh, not one of reality, that sort of thing. Um, I think that too is key in starting to understand the mental institution I would go so far as to to predict, Pete, that perhaps in some sort of mystical, psychic, magical way, it's kind of like um, if you think of the training programs in The Matrix, or or indeed, I suppose, The Matrix itself, where you know I can be on my matrix ship and you can be on your Ma- matrix ship, but we can both um, you know dial in and meet up at you know the rooftop to practice rooftop karate and so forth. I wonder if the mental institution gives some sort of possibility where, um, where it's possible that all these people are somehow collected. I, I guess Pete, that's a long way to say I have a little bit of a hard time currently. Could the story do it? Sure. But I have a little bit of a hard time believing like Crawley is in on it. And, um, that nice lady who helped make the ID for Layla that she's part of, Taro co uh, and, and you know, she's a follower of amit and so forth versus just some slightly easier way to link everybody all
1: together um well right. hang on
0: <laughs> Indeed, we have our way
1: we have the shelf or the shelves with all the prisoners right there's nine other prisoners other than amit okay let's add tower it that's two could we add Mark and Steven? You know, were the were the two gunshots, one for each of them, invalidating TV code, Matt, <laughs> of one shot, you're you're still kicking, two shots, you're dead. Something that very early on, Marvel TV, yes, it's not Marvel Studios TV, it's still Marvel TV. What with the Grant Ward's murder of Agent Hand uh proving to be, you know, part of that uh, belief, okay? That you you make it clear for the audience when a when a character might be alive and when a character is definitively dead, okay? So we're up to four there. Let's throw Layla in. We got five. Crawley would be six. Uh, let's put. Um, Let's put Harrow in there, would be seven. Let's figure out here, would we count um, Donna, would be eight. Would we put uh, Lagaro? would be nine. Uh, yeah, you could say that Billy and um, uh, Bobby and um, Beck would take it to as many as 12 now again you know do you want to take mark and steven away and then you're down to uh 11 uh or 10 rather um it's going to be interesting to see if that lines up um but you know the mention of avatars And what if these other characters are avatars? We didn't see all the avatars for all the Aeneid gods. And we know, of course, that Egyptian gods, there's more past those nine there. The nine being interesting with the number of shelves and the number that are regarded as being in the Aeneid, not necessarily those nine. Um, But there's a lot of ways that it could add
0: up. Now, Pete, refresh my memory. In the Great Pyramid of Giza scene, how many uh, of the Egyptian gods were there?
1: Excluding um, Khonshu, there were five on that council. So that
0: does make me think, back in the first episode, depending on how deeply crafted this show is, and that's not to say, you know, if it's not deeply crafted, they didn't do it with care and, and forethought and whatnot, but if they're going for some sort of sixth sense, you know, kind of, kapow you know you can look back and watch the second time and there's there's even more there there's more hidden there um, that only makes sense after you've seen the whole thing and so forth I know that there was the what the poster had seven of the nine gods or six of the nine gods so I guess I'm, I'm not offering a clear bridge from one side to the other but I, I would like to point out that not having all the gods present maybe not knowing who all the, go- the gods are who would apply to the Aeneid list, or to uh, you know another important meeting, or this or that. That now it's it's twice in previous episodes that we haven't had all of them there and assembled.
1: So Layla seemed to foreshadow uh, Mark getting shot um, later in the episode, both with what happened to her father and what happens with Mark. This dream worth dying for and dying and entering a a dreamlike place again I think that here we are
0: here we are two thirds of the way through is this the kind of show that runs I I won't quite say straight through because obviously we've had you know multiple main characters Stephen Mark and so forth and and that's been um intentionally I'll say confusing but I want to highlight the intentional part there um there's been the the mystery of it um there's been the mystery of their shared past and all of that is this a show that's gonna have those layers on top of layers uh or pete let's return to the to the mental institution here how much of next week's episode is exclusively there um I, i certainly get the sense we could be there for maybe the whole episode and then escape you know moon knight powers back in hand that sort of thing But, you know, how much is going to be, how much of the next episode, how much of the remaining two episodes do you think will be existing in a plane other than the normal reality?
1: Well, they've got to break out of that. And what that entails exactly uh, will remain to be seen. Um, But all these breadcrumbs, all these pieces to put together, I mean, uh, Stephen even posits that the stone figures at the entrance of Ammit's tomb here that uh what if they sprang to life and asked him a riddle you know uh he'd poop himself but he he'd still appreciate it well i mean how do we know Taurit doesn't have a riddle or something for him to solve to break out of that psychic prison
0: certainly feels like we are headed towards two two great episodes you know next week and the following week um with which to conclude this story a story that you know it it remains a bit of a question mark um does it go to a second season i feel like that's probably better than 50 50 shots that the shot that it does uh does this character move to the movies? I, I feel like that also there's a good possibility. Is it as soon as, you know, next month in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness? Is it something that is a year or two or three or five off? Um, a lot of it Pete, depends on April 27th and May 4th, those those next and perhaps last two episodes.
1: So the concept here of the Ustadi and the what looks like pieces of a body maybe being made the snake skin is this a way to make amit corporeal
0: possibly if so then you know who was the who was the mummy um you had referenced in the recap the kind of dropping of organs into the in, in into the containers it had me wondering if what was being done was some sort of, you know, reverse mummification thing that was interrupted. You know, like obviously the removing of organs was, was done for mummification. Are organs being collected to now build, uh, build Amit back up. I mean, that certainly is evocative of, uh, you know, the, uh, the 1999's, the mummy, uh, film with, uh, Brendan Fraser and all that. Um, However, the organs are not being, like, carefully placed in there. Is that because of the tension of the scene? Like, look at me this way, Pete. If you're bringing back... If you're if you're getting organs from followers to bring me back after several thousand years' worth of slumber, can you nicely put the organs into a jar and not just kind of <laughs> slop them here and there, even if you are a a mummy zombie killing machine? You know, let, let's have a little care here for old Amit.
1: Well, speaking of care... <laughs> that uh, Arthur Harrow goes in to the discussion about Stephen and Mark, their scales not being balanced. Is that because Jake is in there as well?
0: I, I want to say yes, because I have this, um, I'll say comics knowledge, you know, as we've discussed before, neither you nor I were, were Moon Knight scholars, before the show uh, started and so forth, but I'm aware that the character of uh, of Jake, the personality of Jake, is out there. Um, does that mean that the show must deploy him in the next two episodes? I'd say there's a good shot at it, but is it? And Pete, I don't know that uh, I don't know that either uh, you nor I can can answer this fully. But is it going to break the hearts of Moon Knight fans if you don't get any Jake this season and save Jake for a future outing? I suspect people would would you know hardcore Moon Knight fans would be happy with what we've gotten. So, you know, it could be. I think it, it it's there's a good shot at it, but I think that you know as we tick closer and closer to uh, how about this way through next week's episode, if it's not happening, the closer we get to next week's episode, I kind of would rule out for the finale. But again, who knows?
1: Are we going to get the reveal that Jake's partner? uh or or Mark's partner was Jake and then he shot himself. I think that
0: there's a lot of possibility there. You also get you get the kind of drama inherent to that moment. If you then go and show it, it's another razzle dazzle, here we are in the mirror kind of thing. Um also, you know, references made to making a meal of the lunar god. I mean what a meal you could get out of you know, Jake hasn't told Layla, Jake hasn't told Steven that Jake is is hiding um, uh, or pardon me, that the Mark is hiding the Jake personality and all of that. Like there's, there's a lot of dramatic potential just in terms of the acting, let alone. Oh, man, it'll be a really cool scene where now we have the multiple mirrors and the multiple Oscar Isaacs acting in particular ways and all that. So I need you to commit. Did Jake kill Layla's father? I think probably I think that's the best story solution versus there was a guy who we're going to go get a a really kind of muscular handsome guy to be like my name's Eddie the Merc and I shoot people um so Pete unless it's Deadpool I'd say it's probably Jake (laughs) well Pete before we wrap up theories completely can you imagine a world where we did not have support from those who go to patreoncom slash fantastic geek? What would the podcast look like?
1: Uh, not much, Matt, um, particularly the way we're just blowing through bandwidth right now as we head to this first week of May and then what June's going to look like. Um, you know, if we haven't needed your help to this point, where are we going to? Um, but sitting down, doing this, taking our notes, recording our podcast, uh, and putting it out there for you, the world, made infinitely easier by the good people of patreon.com slash fantastic
0: geek. And certainly, Pete, you know, there's some some tough times out there for people, and we understand that. Another way to support the podcast is reviews on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Pete, a little review of the numbers here. uh, While our listenership Has has only grown in this Disney Plus Marvel Studios era. Uh, The reviews of our podcasts of that uh, Marvel Studios Disney Plus era, they're kind of the number of reviews has gone down as we go from what WandaVision to Falcon to Loki to Hawkeye. So as we get ready for the final third of Moon Knight here, reviews to the Moon Knight podcast and indeed any of the podcasts that we do, particularly the more recent. Uh, Marvel Studios ones, that's always, always appreciated as well. Let's get into your toot and comments. Pete, the poll this week about perhaps the spookiest outing of the MCU. Uh, We wondered, who did it leave you screaming for? Uh, The first choice was Oh Mummy, 64%. The next choice, Oh Daddy, got 8%. Uh, Pete, I understand from the kids that that's a nickname for Oscar Isaac. I don't completely understand it. I'm just going with it here. Uh, One was Oh Brother, meh face. That got 8%. And then there was B-I-N-G-O, got 20% as well. Some replies here. First one, JT Adkins, is that JTA is me. So Twin Peaks meets One floor of the Cuckoo's Nest. I don't know if it's the scariest chapter in the MCU, but it might be the trippiest. What now? Just don't open that red sarcophagus. Uh, We heard from Darren Bell. That's Darth Rastlin, 79 Uh, Hands up. Who else Googled Egyptian hippo god straight after this episode? (laughs) I enjoyed it, but I honestly have no idea what's going to happen next. Uh, Episode 5 can't come quick enough. Pete, I think Darren, uh, I know we've heard week after week from many listeners, and you and I have said, I don't know this character very well. I don't know what's going to happen next. One of the benefits of ending the middle third with where are they? When are they? How are they? Is once again, we don't know what's going to happen next. And this is a great place to be. Um, Spider-Ham Lincoln, by the way, had replied and said uh, that uh, he too had giggled, uh, uh, pardon me, giggled, Googled Egyptian hippo God. Uh, We hear from Noel Gardner at Noel Camille. This episode was amazing. Looking back, the uh, the episode fours have been the pop-off ones. And this did not disappoint. Mark and Steven working together was a treat. Steven taking a page from Bucky's flirt book was hilarious. He should watch out, though. Mark is not playing that. I knew we were going to go to a psych ward at some point. But I uh, was, uh, I think perhaps she means wasn't, ready for the B-movie VHS entrance to it. The dark, creepy horror elements hit just right. Towerette's entrance was the funniest thing. I can't wait for next week. Every episode five has been my favorite so far. Pete, hats off there to our captain Noel Gardner uh, for looking at these multitudinous episodes to fi- try and find a Marvel Studios pattern to the TV shows.
1: Yeah, and just the number of things uh, Noel was the first one I saw pointing to the redress of the earlier location, the the red brick. Um, back in episode two that became the uh, psychiatrist's office here in episode four.
0: We hear uh, again from Spider-Ham Lincoln, Tess LC 139. The tomb was a cleverly titled way of telling a story and alluding to our hero's personalities and Khonshu being trapped. By the way, I love learning about Egyptian mythology and history. The vibe from 1999's The Mummy and other similar stories was ever-present, and the sacrificial slab monster was appropriately creepy and scary. Didn't that Tomb of Alexander the Great look a little like Oscar Isaac's Apocalypse? Uh, Pete, I'll pause spider Hamlin's words here. Uh, I try not to recognize uh, those <laughs> latter-day Fox X-Men films. I actually don't know that I've seen that one, just because I got so worn out by their increasing terribleness.
1: How about the people who have uh, memed Apocalypse into the end there where Towerit shows up uh, and um, Mark and Steven screaming at Apocalypse?
0: Uh, Those latter-day X-Men films worth screaming at. Back to Spider-Ham Lincoln. So the first, did, he asks, did the first three and a half episodes occur in a mental patient's head or is Mark slash Steven populating his death dream with people he's seen in his recent life. We have two episodes left to find out, and I'm betting on the psychic ward being a dream. Also, that hippo goddess, Tourette, hubba hubba. Uh, and <laughs> J Philly B4 fandom says, I agree with the dream theory, The setting of all white with some bright primary colors and ice cream sundaes and treats being served made the psych ward almost childlike, if not for the sense of being trapped in a drug-induced haze or various sarcophagi. Uh, we hear Pete from Stingray. Uh, that's at Trek Girl 88 uh, I've absolutely no idea what's going on, and I'm totally here for it. Uh, inclusion of the Liz Lemon gif saying what the what. Uh, James is sagacious. It's at Big Killing on Twitter. I'm so lost. What's going on? But I also can't stop watching. 12 Monkeys plus The Mummy is fast and furious vibe. Uh, is uh, With a fast, furious vibe is going on. It's Harry Styles in the finale. Uh, Bob Keeley, R. Keeley on Twitter, says, I admit I'm lost too, so I went back to episode one and I'm watching them again. I got through the first three now. Uh, I got through the first three, so now I'll hit episode four again see if it makes more sense. Even with being lost, I'm enjoying it enough to go back and watch again. Pete, I think it's, is it fair to say that it is okay to be lost after this episode?
1: It is. I think that's really the goal. Um, So that they can help you find it, help you see it, um, particularly the way that this episode is crafted, I think, is the word.
0: We are from Rose Ferry at Anna Rose 584 I'm also a bit lost. That was good timing there. Uh, but I've learned about Egyptian gods and dissociative identity disorder. My nerves at the end of this episode, kind of frantic emoji here, were definitely frayed uh we hear from andre Jaeger, dr polo 1983 give oscar isaac all the emmys now don't even have the ceremony but seriously <laughs> great raiders of the lost ark vibe in the beginning rolling into one floor over the cuckoo's nest i believe we are now in the afterlife with mark and the other identities fighting to get free uh towerette being uh she uh who she is will guide them out they just left poor jake hanging out in the sarcophagus He's going to wreck shop when he gets out. Two episodes left, and I have no idea what's going to happen, and I love it. I love that this is a common theme amongst our listeners and whatnot. Um, In response to that, a theory from Spider-Ham Lincoln, Mark told Layla while he was present when her dad was killed. uh, uh, Let's see, when he was present, uh, his partner was the one who executed people. I think his partner was the third personality, Jake. Uh, Andre says, I hope not. That would break Layla. I am hoping the partner is Duchamp. His name was on the phone, uh, and someone did try and kill Mark. Uh, That's how Conchu possessed him. Uh, We hear from J. Philly B4 fandom again. He says, What the PH? uh, The app sound. Hold (laughs) on one second there. So many questions, says J. J. Philly B. Conchu is on the shelf with eight others, a shadow Aeneid, the real Aeneid. Is the glass and harrow sandals a way to cheat? Um, It's lie detector scales. Ooh, that's good. Uh, How much longer can Mark slash Steven keep the lid on that third personality? Between the shooting, Mark falling into the water, the third sarcophagus, and Towerette, are we really looking at uh, Mark-Steven rebirth into a completely new and joined personality? How soon is next Wednesday? Well, Pete, I know the answer to how soon is next Wednesday. Um, Your thoughts there on a joined personality that can have some sort of peace
1: that's an interesting way to look at it a lot of people have pointed to mr knight you know that steven produces that suit um i don't know i don't know i I, that they didn't necessarily go one for one with this series you know arthur harrow is a nobody in the comics um and here to use him as prominently as they have i think Really puts so much of what we know from the comics under the microscope. Um, And I think what Marvel Studios in general has done so well, you know, so many of the things that are in the comics would come across so goofy on screen, but they find a way to do it and grounded in some sort of reality um so if anybody could stick that i think it's this creative team
0: make it so that's at Lyle one on twitter says what would have happened this week if layla didn't have an apparently unending supply of flares (laughs) not (laughs) enough moon night as in none but it sure moves the story forward to new and unusual places Ancient gullets, psych words, very curious to see where the story goes from here. And Pete uh, Spider-Ham Lincoln replied and said, well, we did get this version of Moon Knight, the kind of action figure one. We did. Oh, which is a fair point. Uh, we hear now from David Siller, that's at Siller David Poet. Well, here we are at episode four, and we've got a lot to unpack. Starting with those final scenes in the psych word. I suspect it's a metaphor moment in which Mark slash Stephen and personality number three to be revealed are being rescued by a towerette. Uh, possibly pre-arranged cahoots with Conshu after a Harrow's shooting. Uh, Layla still has two flares left from the uh, uh, six taken from the jeep, so I wonder how that will—if uh, that will somehow open episode five. Loving the MCU lean-in for adventure tales, Indiana Jones, the Mummy, and horror tropes presaging the multiverse of madness. Uh, and the movie within a movie is Tomb Buster. Can't wait to see how all this comes together in the final two episodes. I want to shout out the composer Hesham Nazi whose score was phenomenal this episode. Mm-hmm. It has been great the whole series. Uh, PS says, David, I hope I've made up for my failure to fully manifest the fabulousness of some commentary for previous episodes as ever. Stay fantastic. And Pete, all of those in those four tweets, there, uh, done with pH as needed. Um, yeah, I, to, to zero in on his comment about Hesham Nazi, uh, never heard of this person before this show and now well you're gonna be
1: hearing a whole lot more yeah it's Um, it's phenomenal music tremendously tremendously done and uh yeah you know with the news in the last 24 hours um loki uh composer natalie holt is going to do the bulk of the obi-wan kenobi score uh yeah uh, maybe maybe Andor would be a great landing place here for our uh, Moon Knight composer. Uh, in regards to the
0: question uh, that started this whole thread, uh, Nathan Nolan Edwards, it's at Nolan Edwards says, trust the system. That's an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> reference, but I apply it to all Marvel viewing right now. Uh, then lastly, Pete, uh, Steve Thurbridge at Steve Thurbridge says, I was not expecting to be able to use the a hippo emoji, but here we are. Wife and daughter did not appreciate the foley work in this episode. It's been uh, it's been there all along with the glass slippers, but the squishy noises squeaked yep. them out. Uh, I think a reminder, Pete. That there are no there are no small jobs, including you know, including foley jobs.
1: It's amazing what Marvel's been able to do in the last couple series with their sound design. Um, and and this really highlights it. Like I said, you know, whatever's gonna come of these last two episodes will be, but you know, in terms of a rounded complete production, that this fourth episode would stand to make a really strong case as they're any real. Indeed, Pete. And with that, take
0: us to comments from Facebook.
1: Steve Adams, Matt, not Steven. Uh, Writes in the Fantastic Geek Facebook page. The latest episode of Moon Knight had some real horror movie vibes to it. It was a tense and frightening episode. Layla was amazing here, getting a lot of great moments and shining in them. I honestly do not know what to do with the final scene. Where do you possibly go with that? Uh, hopefully next week we get an explanation for it until then stay fantastic. You spelled that with the pH. Pete, hopefully people keep the
0: conversation going as we head into these last two episodes of moon Knight. How can people be in touch with you on Twitter?
1: You can find me on Twitter at Peter P I E T E R J K D L R K E T E L A A R 12,481 followers. Can't be wrong.
0: And while I'm personally on Twitter is looking back lost, do me in touch with the podcast. Comment on fantasticgeek.com Check us out on Twitter,
1: Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek. All one word with the pH. Like it today.
0: If you're listening on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, we are back tomorrow for uh, Picard episode two oh eight. Just here for Moon Knight. We're back next Saturday as we head to episode five of that. For now though, Pete. I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word.
1: And the Ushapti goes to us.